Good evening, everybody. God is good. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Amen. And amen to God be all the glory this day and every day. Welcome, fam. Thank you for joining us, um, whether it be in person or via live stream. May God bless you and be with you as we dive into his word this evening. My name is Nahum Hippolyte. I am an elder pastor here at Gospel Fellowship. We will be continuing our series titled Rebuild with the Book of Nehemiah. And last week, Pastor Rodney preached on Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 20, and he reminded us that God is a God of vision and that where we lose vision, we also lose hope. Not only is this important in our personal lives, but as we rebuild, but I feel that this is a very relevant, that it is very relevant, especially for where we are as a nation. Now, as we continue in the book of Nehemiah, I want to be able to give you just a clear picture of what's taking place. So, real short, quick story. While working on my undergraduate degree at FAU, I regularly went back up to Orlando, which is my hometown, FAU's in Boca Raton, in order to visit my family. So during a visit one time, unfortunately, I got caught in a speed trap. I was going down a hill, so the car was going eh, maybe about 10 miles per hour over the speed limit. I got a ticket, I decided to fight it and go to court. So my court day arrives, and as I'm listening to others making their case for their tickets before the judge, one of them asks, can he do community service instead of paying the ticket? And the judge said, yes. I'm like, okay, I'm in the room. I never knew you could do that. But I was like, so when I'm gonna get up there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the same thing. If I can't convince the judge you know, to, to let me off, I'm gonna mention community service. So my turn came up. I couldn't convince the judge, unfortunately, so I asked, could I do community service? He said yes. So he made me pay a court fee, maybe about 30 bucks, and I fulfilled the rest of my obligation via community service. So at that point, I signed up for Habitat for Humanity. And for those who aren't familiar with the organization, they basically built simple, decent and affordable homes for those who wouldn't be able to afford them otherwise. And part of the strategy that allows them to, to make these homes affordable is by using volunteers to do a lot of the manual labor. So when I got there on my first day, it was literally a construction site. So you go, you go sign in at the tent, and you're walking through dirt because it's an unfinished home, so there's no sod, there's no grass, there's buckets of paint, you see paint brushes, you see hammers, you see nails, there's sawdust over here, power tools, the interior of the home is completely undone, primer on the walls, you see electrical wires hanging out as an electrician is on site working, and outside you've got multiple, multiple, a handful of volunteers from different backgrounds and different age groups some people even came with, you know, goggles and, and gloves. This 
is exactly what we see in chapter 3 of the book of Nehemiah. There is work to be done, and you have a bunch of people, different skill sets on site, but as we read the text, we'll see that everyone is getting involved, no matter how big or how small. What vision has God given you to rebuild? Let us open up our text and read Nehemiah chapter 3. I'll be reading out of the ESV version, and I ask that you bear with us. It is 32 verses long, so <laughs> it might be a while before we get through it. Nehemiah chapter 3, I'll read. Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakor, the son of Emery, built. The sons of Hesana built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah son of Meshizabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Joida, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Bezodiah, repaired the gate of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jaden the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and of Mezpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uzil, the son of Herahiah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Raphai, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Hiramath, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hetish, the son of Hashabniah, repaired. Malchijah, the son of Harem, and Hashab, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Helohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malchijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hesherim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And Shulam, the son of Kolhoza, ruler of the district of Mezpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah, of the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Asbik, ruler of the district of Bethzer, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. 
After him, the Levites repaired, Rahum, the son of Bani, next to him, Heshabiah, ruler of half the district of Keilah, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired, Bavai, the son of Henadad, ruler of half the district of Keilah, next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mezpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Barush, the son of Zabai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Elisha, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elisha to the end of the house of Elisha. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benui, the son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palau, the son of Uzai, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard after him. Padiah, the son of Parosh, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Emma, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanum, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple's servants and of the merchants, opposite the muster gate and to the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. Let us pray. Father God, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, just for your word, Father God, and just for the opportunity to, to be here at this very moment, Lord God, to, to dive into your word and to your truth, Lord. I ask that you would empty me, Father God, and that you would fill me with your spirit, Lord God, and give us ears to hear the truth of your gospel, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, Lord God. We need you, and we love you. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of this sermon is Under Construction. And this, at this moment, I have three points that I would like to discuss. The first point is the high priests. The second point, bystanders. The third point, building in community. Going right in, our first point, the high priests. Now, last week, we saw Nehemiah inspecting the walls in order to determine how to move forward with the vision that God had gave him, trying to determine what needs to be done and where. And then after evaluating the situation, he goes to the city officials 
and he casts the vision that God had laid on his heart. He informs them how God has provided and given him favor in the sight of the king. Now, what I love about how this chapter opens going into chapter 3 is that it starts off with the high priest. Verse 1 reads, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. The spiritual leader of Jerusalem at that time saw it necessary to get involved and to help rebuild Jerusalem, even though he was already dedicated in his service to the Lord. He heard the vision that was laid out by Nehemiah, and he was on board. Now, the high priest, according to the law of Moses, came from the tribe of Levi. This means that from birth, he was involved with caring for the tabernacle. There were clear, defined duties of a priest when it came to things like worship, sacrifices, sacrifices for the individual worshiper, and the nation's covenantal relationship with God. As the high priest, you are the intermediary between God and the people. And to serve in this role, you had to be consecrated. You had to wear special attire in order to serve in the temple of the living God. This is the first person that we see listed in chapter number three. Eliashib, someone who is God-ordained, his God-ordained role as the high priest, but yet he didn't consider himself, he didn't consider it beneath himself to get involved in the rebuilding of the city walls. A lot of times we get comfortable doing what we are hired to do or only what we were asked to do. We get comfortable staying in our lane of a job description. And when asked, can you help me with this, we respond, oh, that's not in my job description. Have you heard those words before? Or they may say, or you may say, I don't do that. That's not me. But that is not the attitude that we see displayed here by the high priest. Eliashib could have stayed at the temple, held his post, but he didn't. Here we have the high priest not backing away, but actively getting involved. And not only himself, but the rest of the priests are actively involved in the rebuilding of the walls. Never mind that he's from the tribe of Levi and is dedicated to serving at the temple. They're picking up their tool belts in order to help with this effort. So though he wasn't hired to build walls, he understands that what he was hired to do isn't all that he can do. What you are hired to do, your career choice, your job choice, your major, your hobby, isn't all that you can do. God has called you to do more. God has called you to do more beyond your job description. If your vision is to rebuild a broken relationship, don't let your busy career keep you from reaching out. If your vision is to help improve your community, don't think you are above giving up a Saturday morning to help out. If your vision is to go to the next level with God, don't let the title of being husband, wife, father, mother, teacher, 
nurse, police officer, therapist. Don't let these be the reason that you're not able to make time out for God. It may not be part of your job description because God created you with a greater purpose that cannot be summarized by a job description. So while the high priest is actively helping to rebuild the walls, we see a clear parallel in that Jesus Christ left his heavenly post in order to rebuild our relationship to the Father. He is our great high priest. He stands actively at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for the saints. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was and is the ultimate intermediary between God and man. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians 2.8. We are being called to rebuild outside of what we normally do. And God is not calling us to build a new foundation, but to allow our foundation to be the solid rock on which we stand because all other ground is sinking sand. The bedrock of our foundation is Jesus Christ himself. And the only reason that we can rebuild is because God has already built a foundation that is unshakable and unbreakable. Being the first fruit to rise from the dead with all authority, power, and dominion at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings to the glory of God the Father. What are you striving to rebuild in this season? Personally, I feel that COVID has consumed this year for me. And you all may feel similarly. But one thing I said to myself is that I don't want this year to end without having, without having everything that I do revolve around COVID. I'm not saying that I'm not going to wear a mask or be safe, but what I'm saying is that I'm going to stop looking at the tabloids and look to my Savior on how I can use my time, my talent, and my treasure to the glory of his name. So I refuse to be a bystander while 2020 passes, us, passes me by. It is so easy to be consumed in this world around us that we become paralyzed often. Move, we become paralyzed and we stop moving in the direction that God has called us to move in. Going to my second point, bystanders. As we look back into our text, we see that the priest is getting involved along with others. But then in verse 5, we read, it says... Next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles, this could also mean leaders, rulers, those in the upper class, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Basically saying they did not join in on the rebuilding effort. Now, the Tekoites are people of Tekoa, which is located southeast of Bethlehem. It is possible that since Tekoa was close to the area controlled by Geshem, the Arab from Nehemiah 2.19, who opposed what was being done, perhaps the nobles were being influenced by or afraid of him, so they didn't get involved. Now, whatever the reasoning was, we know that the nobles of Tekoa withdrew from the work, leaving it to the common people um, to get involved. So what's interesting is that the nobles didn't really oppose what was being done, but they didn't really support it either. They were I guess, indifferent, if you would. 
Just because you cast a vision to rebuild doesn't mean that everyone who hears about it or knows about it will get involved or be excited for you. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the vision needs to change either. As I read this, I'm reminded of a children's story titled The Little Red Hen. If you're parents and you've heard this, bear with me. <laughs> and, and, and the story goes something like this. There's a hen who's on a farm with various farm animals. And one day the hen finds some seeds and asks, who is going to help me plant these seeds? Not I, said all the other farm animals. So the hen said, I'm going to go plant them myself. So the seeds grow into wheat. So the hen asks, who is going to help me cut the wheat? Not I, said the other animals. So the hen determines she's going to cut it herself. So the story just, it continues along this path. And she ends up grinding the wheat into flour by herself. And then she ends up baking a loaf of bread all by herself. Then at that point, she asks, who is going to help me eat this bread? Everyone said, I will. <laughs> she then says, nope, I'm going to eat it all by myself. Now, despite not getting any help from the other farm animals, the hen continued to press on, planting the seeds, cutting the wheat, grinding it into flour, and baking the bread. Despite the nobles not getting involved with the Tekoites who continued to participate in the in building of the wall. Just because everyone isn't coming to assist you in the rebuild does not mean that the rebuilding needs to stop. There will always be sidelines for those who want to sit and watch. But as the hand of God is with you in your vision, Sometimes you have to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my marriage, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my singleness, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my career, I will serve the Lord. As for me and this vision, we will serve the Lord. The Tekoites understood that the rebuilding of the wall was for a greater purpose. So it did not intimidate them that the nobles didn't get involved. They were dedicated to the vision and the task at hand. Are you dedicated to rebuilding the vision that God has given you? Some of us are worried that those on the sidelines are not buying into the vision. But this probably isn't their vision to get involved in. When we look at verse 12, we see that Shalom, the son of Helohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. Now, Shalom most likely had no sons and only daughters. While this is not customary work for women to get involved in, nonetheless, they were present in the rebuilding of the wall. So truly, we see both men and women who are not afraid to get their hands dirty, especially in the rebuilding to the glory of God. If your vision to rebuild has the seal of God, the Father, 
and the approval of King Jesus move forward despite the onlookers. Jesus also had many who remained bystanders. Many who didn't get involved with the vision of the Father, but even though he was rejected by men, he was hand-chosen by God. And we see this in 1 Peter 2.6, which states, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. My third point, building in community. Now, looking back at the text, we see multiple families rebuilding sections of the wall, working side by side. Many of the families are repairing the damage that is opposite of where they, where they live. And each group is working on a different part of the wall at a different pace, but for the same vision and the same purpose. Now, the purpose of the wall is for protection. It protects the community and each individual family in the community. So as a section is rebuilt or repaired, there is rejoicing. Why rejoicing, would you say? Due to the fact that once a section gets repaired, there is one less weak spot, one less break in the wall that can be exploited by enemies. So each section of the wall that is rebuilt is a smaller vision, if you would, that is tied into a larger vision that was cast by Nehemiah. So not only does the family working on the particular section benefit, but the entire community benefits. Your vision is not limited by your community, but it includes your community. How does the rebuilding of your vision support your community? As we cast vision of rebuilding relationships, rebuilding healthy patterns for our lives, we are not only strengthening ourselves, but our families, our friends, everybody is being positively affected as well. Now the Jews, as they rebuilt, they rebuilt with a zeal because it was patriotic to be building for the betterment of not only the individual families, but for the community at large. And we see this in verse 27, the Tekoites appear again, and they repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower. Thus, they continued to rebuild after they finished what they were working on previously. Now, there's a quote that goes like this. If each of us can believe that he is working, that he is working so that the universe may be raised in and through him to a higher level, then a new spring of energy will well forth in the heart of Earth's workers. Now, if we understand that the fulfillment of my vision is not only benefiting me, but also benefiting my community, we work with an additional passion. For example, we're all motivated to go to work. Why? Because we want to take care of ourselves, we want to take care of our families, and we want to leave a legacy for our future. This reminds me of Jesus who understood that the vision that was cast by the Father did not only benefit the Father, but it benefited the universe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish but have everlasting life. For God came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The rebuilding of our shattered relationship due to sin was the vision that led Christ to enter into this world. Now, it is highly probable that someone tried to make repairs to the wall prior to Nehemiah coming on the scene. But in the same way that you would put, a, let's say, a tarp over a leaking roof in order to buy you some time until you can repair it, in the same way, but unfortunately, patches or makeshift repairs were not sufficient enough to properly repair what had been broken. It took a united vision under a new leader with resources to motivate the people to move on one accord in order to repair the walls of Jerusalem. In the same way, patches or makeshift repairs to the sin in our lives will not help us establish a relationship that has been shattered by sin. This was the weakness of the law and that no amount of sacrifice would suffice to redeem us from our pathetic state. But what was required was a new vision from up above. With an infinite amount of resources and credibility, the approval of the king of kings himself. Christ alone was able to bear the cup of God's wrath upon gazing at our wretchedness and said, I am willing to go in order to rebuild this relationship between you and my father, who is also your father. So let's call him our father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Because heaven, heaven had to come down in order to rebuild that which was lost. This is the vision, the vision of God the Father, that we would be redeemed, bought back, and freed from the power of sin and death. We are being built up as a royal priesthood, a holy nation established on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. As you consider the vision that God has given you to rebuild, are you building it on the chief cornerstone, namely Jesus Christ? That's food for thought. As we consider rebuilding, rebuilding not only for today, but rebuilding for our future as well.